Pete George, and we are live on Game Changers with Vicki Abelson. Our guest tonight is James Gatson. Woohoo! Alright. James, I hear you're gonna play something for us. I'm gonna play one of my original songs that I wrote uh, concerning some of the problems that we have today. But and what but tell them what it's called, which is ironic. It's called 2013. But I wrote it uh, last year. And, uh, it was, you know, it's right in time with what's happening today. And know? so, to, so to, what, what did, I don't know why I named it that. I just named it that. I don't all know, right, no, sometimes. You know, sometimes you're just abstract, you know. You, all right. you, you're out. So anyway, I'm going to play it for you. Let's find a way to save our children. Thank you. 
know that we'll reach the mountaintop. I may not be there, but we'll know that our children will. It does have a Motown vibe. Yeah. So, okay, so what came first for you? You're a kid, you're in Kansas City? Is that where you? Yeah. It's Kansas, Kansas City. City. Are you singing in church? Where, how did you I didn't start? sing in church. I was a doo-wop singer. I love doo-wop singing. And so, see, I didn't play drums until I was 21 years old. Get out of here. My father was a drummer. He didn't want me to touch his instrument. He didn't really want me to be in the music business. He was, having, he was struggling with it. Mm -hmm. uh, was he a professional musician? Yeah, was he it? was a professional. He played with some of the great people at that time. Uh, the famous uh, pianist, blues pianist named Jay McShann. He played with him. And Bus Moulton, Benny Moulton, who had the big Moulton swing, he mm -hmm. played with his brother. And so would he go on the road and and play? Like Well, by the time I was born, he was more or less in town. They had uh -huh. a lot of, during that time, the musicians worked, you know, almost, they didn't have uh, DJs like they had today, so right. musicians worked. Live you know, music. Right, mm -hmm. you know. So he brought me a cornet. Mm -hmm. I played that in high school. I didn't have this tooth right here, so it was very hard, and I didn't really care about it. I was a doo-wop singer. That's what I really wanted to do, so I, you know, I played the marches and all that, but I didn't like it, and I was in the drum and bugle corps for the American Legion at that time, so I could play a snare drum, the street beats as they call it, but I couldn't sit down and play a set of drums for nothing. So uh, I went to the Air Force and uh, did four years, and when I got out, my brother had a band. I didn't know it. Mm -hmm. you know, Older we all brother? Sang, well, my younger brother. Younger brother. Yeah, we sang. We all sang together, so uh -huh. we had a group. We, we made, uh, I, I think I was 14 years old, and we made a, we signed with the a record called, I mean, a label called Federal. It was on the King. Uh, King had five different labels. James Brown was on Federal. Uh -huh. About the same time, he had out a song called Why Do You Do Me This Away? And then Please, Please, Please came out, and that was a, that was his big thing. We were on the same label, and my mother wouldn't let me go on the road. I'm glad she didn't. But uh, anyway, when I got out of the service, 
I mean, this was before the service. I was 14. We made these records, and uh, the group just started to, just, you know, people got disinterested, so it broke up. And uh, my what, brother did you, had, was your brother a musician as yeah, well, or he did he. I didn't know he played guitar. He didn't play guitar before I left and went into the Air Force. So when I got in the Air Force, he was a, playing guitar, and he had a band. He uh -huh. was the front of the band. So he said, man, come on in the band. I could play two or three p cards on the piano, just enough to get by and mm -hmm. front. I'd stand, stand up and sing. You know, I was the front man. You know, I could do the Little Richard stuff and all that. <laughs> and uh, the bass player. Did you take music lessons when you were a kid? No. I Not at all? No, I mean, Mom. Uh, I kind of shied away from it, you know. I, I should have, you know. Well, but uh, but your father didn't want you guys to be musicians. He didn't want really want to be because he had such a hard time. And you know? what what when you were in school, what what did you think you were gonna do? I mean, I know you wanted to sing in a doo-wop band. Well, that's what I thought I was gonna be. I thought we were gonna be famous. I mean, mm -hmm. and Frankie Lyman came along mm -hmm. and killed everything. I mean, <laughs> he was fourteen or fifteen years old, and that, you know, I said, well, hey, I guess Frankie Lyman, that's it. You know, <laughs> there's only room for one, right? Right. And so, I mean, he was fantastic, though. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, uh, the bass player left the group, and mm -hmm. the drummer was a bass player. So, the drums fell in my lap. My brother said, You can do it, just sit down and play. And so, we practiced and practiced, and I halfway got it together. No and, lessons? No, no lessons. Wow. And, uh, you know, I was able to. to to play and uh, you know afterwards I would practice you know learn different things and I left his aggregation and because I got interested in jazz and so I was playing jazz and by that time Jimmy Smith was uh, the organist and all the different jazz organ trios I was doing a lot of that stuff and some friends that I saw who were in Kansas City at one time I saw them on the Dean Martin show out here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. and I thought they had made the big times. So they said, come on out. So I came out. <laughs> How old are you? You're in your early 20s? Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't play their music because I became a jazz drummer. So they were doing pop, you know, R&B pop. I couldn't play it, so they had to let me go. So it was a struggle. I mean, it was a pretty, it was a rough struggle. I mean, I'd walk 75 blocks because I didn't have... Any transportation, you know, I find out where a jazz club was, and I'd walk 75 blocks. And, but and I it, thought jazz was like the hardest thing. I, like, jazz seems like the most complex thing to play. Well, you know, uh, well, it's all music. I mean, R&B and jazz are different. Yeah? It's quite different, but mm -hmm. they, they're both complex. Yeah. You know, but the guys wouldn't let me sit in. Can't mm -hmm. say, man, we don't know you. You you know, so it was pretty rough. And uh, I had been out here previously you know, playing jazz. Mm -hmm. And it was a famous drummer. He passed away now. He was a good friend of mine. His name was John Boudreaux. He had played on something. You've got a lot of the New Orleans stuff. Mm -hmm. And I kept his phone number. And he said, man, I'll get you a gig. So he got me a job. I had to get on the bus and go to the gig. It paid $12 a night. I was glad to get it because <laughs> it was, you know, it was a strip club, but the strippers were off on Thursdays, you know, so. <laughs> When the strippers were off, you you guys played? Yeah. Yeah. So the guy fired me five times. Charles oh. Wright fired me five times. Because I couldn't play R&B, you know, R&B. So he couldn't get nobody else. So he said, man, Wait a minute. You couldn't play R&B, and you turned into the premier R&B drummer of all time. How I, could not, I could not play R&B. Okay, so how did that... 
Well, he he said, "Ma'am, you got the gig." After about five times, he got you know. He said, "I just want you to keep time. Just play fours." That was the hardest thing in the world for me to do. But Motown had a lot of records out, you know, in playing fours. I guess that's what they sounded like. Mm -hmm. Anyway, and so I did that for eight months. He said, "Don't do no fields. Don't play no fields. Don't just do it, you know." So I started listening, mm -hmm. and. It, I, I was able to create my own style. Yes, you did. And so that's how that's, that's how that happened. How long did that, because it didn't take you very long, because you were playing on records really soon. Well, yeah, it took me a couple of years with him. I mean, we made some, I made some hit records with him. Uh, I sang a song that was number two pop called Love Land. Mm -hmm. It was a big record. And uh, What year was that? That was 1967, I think. Sweet. And... Uh, I was one of the writers. I didn't get any writers. I didn't know anything about the business. So mm. we got, it didn't, it started not to work. And so I left the group, I guess, in 70s, I mean, 68, I think. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, after he had the record out, Express Yourself, that was a big record that he oh, signed. Yeah, that's I played huge. on uh -huh. that. That's and huge. so that was one of my creations, that drum oh. um, beat was, and so that became a hit. You know, and he was kind of glad to see me leave. I think he wanted to be, you know. <laughs> he, but, he didn't want you stepping in on his... Well, uh, when I first, you know, he didn't want me to sing anyway, you know. So, and I wanted to sing, mm -hmm. you know. But during that time, I met Bill Withers over to Charles's house. I think Bill, he might, Charles might have managed him for a couple of weeks or something. I met Bill. And we went into the studio, and it was awful the first time we went in because... How so? It was, it was because... We, was no direction. Nobody knew. I don't think he had it together. He didn't know what, you know, and uh, we didn't, you know, he would, we had an upright bass, me and him. And it was different. It wasn't, it wasn't too cool. So, um, I didn't see him again. Some kind of way that one of the gentlemen in the Watts band, who was an arranger and a keyboard player, mm -hmm. they had gotten together and they were working together. And I think he was the one that, uh, Helped Bill with the songs that he did, and uh, I think they fell out because he thought he was going to be the producer, mm. and uh, the record company got another producer anyway. Bill, big, 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 big record, ain't no sunshine. Oh God, know? yeah. And uh, I didn't play on that though. That was uh, Al Jackson and uh, the, the Memphis the guys uh, who played on that great, great record, big record. And then they had, a, and then he had another record out called Grandma's Hand. Mm -hmm. That uh, was a big cult record, but I don't think it did anything as far as being a single. Mm. And uh, he and Ray seemed to come back together. They got, they, came, you know, was able to uh, get back together and do certain things. And so I worked a couple of gigs with Bill. In fact, I went out, went on the road with him, with not with not the same band. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, They were looking for a producer for him. Mm -hmm. Booker T had gotten busy with uh, with uh, the guy that has Farm Aid. What's his name? Willie Nelson. Mm -hmm. And um, so they were looking for a producer with Bill. But in the meantime, we'd be over here practicing. Mm -hmm. And so we went in the uh, studio. And uh, before we went in, uh, we were traveling. And... Uh, the beat Use Me. I, I made that rhythm up. That later on became a big record for him called Use Me. 
huge me up. So yeah. when he heard that, bam, we come back to L.A. and he, the battery's down on my car. He come and got me. We did 110 miles down Los Angeles to the record plant and uh, recorded that rhythm. And, you know, he put the words to it. And the next thing I know, boom, that was history for him. Yeah. You know, and then, that was huge. Know, yeah. So that was that was a big one. And, and so that, are you are you making money now? Are you are you still taking the butt? How you doing? You making some money now that you have some hit records? Uh, well, I didn't get any writers on that, so no. that was a little crude, mm -hmm. you know. That one and another one called "Kissing My Love" that you mm -hmm. see people uh, show that all the time on uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. It was a shuffle, and I turned it into a, a you know a different different type of beat. Uh, so that. You know, I mean, the record started coming, the hits started coming, Lean On Me. Oh, yeah. Um, you were with him was, through all of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, Are you making money as a musician, then? Are you guys going out mm -hmm. on the road? No, we're on the road. We're uh -huh. on the road with uh -huh. him. And I think he wanted to change because uh, I went up to his house one day, and, you know, we rehearsed, and he said, man, every record, you, everything you play got them GD 16 notes in it. <laughs> I said, well, to me, myself, I said, well, man, the 16 knows to making the hit. I said, I think I better try to find something else because it don't feel right. So during that time, I was in the studio with a guy named Stu Gardner who, well, I, it, I, I don't know how I got through it. It was it was pretty rough. I was just trying to do what I could do. For, so you were I, pretending to look at the charts, but you... I'd be looking at the charts, but I didn't know nothing about <laughs> what that was at that time. So uh, they kept me for some reason or another. Later on, I found out was a uh, was a producer and arranger named James Carmichael. He told me to keep him because he's got good timing. Mm -hmm. But in the interim of that, I would come home and study. I had my books. I was studying, learning how to read, and I eventually got it. You know, I eventually got. You were that able together. to teach yourself. Yeah. And it was a lot harder than no internet. I mean, like now, people can learn how to read online because you watch videos. And right. Stuff, well, right? they can learn how to play online even. You, you that's know. true. But uh. You know, it was, it was, uh, you know. It, I mean, all of that self-taught and all, all right. of the stuff that you came up and created yourself. Did your father impact your? No, he didn't want, really want me to be in the music business, but I heard all the music when I was young. Right. You know, I heard all the big band stuff and, you know, everybody that, you know. And then in my city, they had what they call a hit parade. Mm -hmm. They played everything. Right. I mean, they played all the different music, so... We knew polkas. We knew everything. We knew how to play whatever was the hit mm -hmm. that we played it. You know, and we heard it on the radio. So that gave me, a, I, even though I wasn't playing drums at first, but it gave me a, a, a idea of what certain rhythms and certain music was supposed to sound like. Right. And so that that really helped me. And so that that was, you know, and then you know I I studied and I still study. You, you know. do study. Oh, yeah, I study. You know, you have to keep up with it. I love you know. that. That's kind of the secret, I think. And did you get to Did you get to sing? You've, you've done so many recordings where you've, you've done so much playing. Do you get to be the singing drummer? Well, what happened was I had almost a nervous breakdown when I did this record called Loveland. It was a big record. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, some reason Charles would put the keys up higher so I would strain, you know, when I, you know, and uh, he said, well, man, everything that you write, I got to have half of the writers and all the publishing 
I'm thinking, that ain't cool. I did write one song that uh, Robert Palmer did called What Can You Bring Me. It was a big record, and I didn't know it was a hit. I, didn't, I sang it, and I didn't know it was a hit. Until t- about 12 years later, a guy brought a magazine article over here to me. And uh, I saw it, and the cat said, man, go online. I went online, and there was Robert Palmer singing this song called What Can You Bring Me that I wrote. What? You didn't even know? I didn't know. And... Uh, by that time, you know, I asked Charles, I said, well, man, hey, well, you know, well, give me my song back. You made the money. I said, it's been 12 years. Oh, man, I can't do that. So, you know, we are, we are not. So uh, you never got cartridge. credited for the song that. I got credit for it, but I didn't get. Money. He he got the copyright. It's a business thing. He got the copyright for Hi. it. I mean, I think I might have got three or $400 off of some BMI because somebody Jesus. sampled it. Not what, not what uh, Robert Palmer did. That's crazy. You know, so. Uh, you know, we, uh, I forgive him. I forgive them all. I mean, I learned when, when I was with his band, I learned, but I didn't think that that was fair, mm-hmm. you know. So we are not really uh, cordial, but I mean, I'm not, you know, it's one of those things I forget. It's, you know, to me, I'm trying to, I, I got a, an attorney, mm-hmm. and they said this uh, laws, it was too late, it was too long, it happened, you know, before I could do anything. Yeah, you had the seven year yeah. thing, right? Well, it was 20 something years. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's what happened like that. And, you know, so. So from some from Bill Withers, from well, there from you. Charles to Bill Withers to the studio. Okay. And then about 10 years later, I didn't want to sing anymore. You know, I just, I didn't, you know, when I got to Motown, I said, man, we call you on the session, but I really want to produce you. A lot of the producers, I said, I'm not interested in it. it Why? I had such an effect on me about what happened with the Watson 103rd mm-hmm. Street Band mm-hmm. that I didn't want to do anything. So about 10 years later, I went to Japan and I started playing with, with some Americans and Japanese group. Played. We had a, a group called the, uh, I can't think of the name of it, but I started writing again and singing. And, uh, you know, I, that's what you know. That's what I've been doing. But I couldn't. I should have kept. I couldn't do it. It's just you know, mentally, it had a mental thing on it mm-hmm. where I couldn't do it. Probably if I kept going, I would probably it would probably would have happened for me. You know. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things. You know, just had a mental thing. So. But you certainly had incredible success. You've played with. All right. So let let's look at the list a little bit. I mean, bit for so me to can... become, you know, for me to. I thank God Almighty for me to become a drummer. I mean, at the, you know, to play on all those sessions, to play for these different people. I mean, from a singer to a half drummer. I mean, I studied to get it together. To, but for me to be, for the people to call me, I felt very uh, blessed. How did, how did that happen? Do you think, was it based solely on your playing? Was it also that you were inventive was it that you were easy to work with? I mean why do you think I mean the list of people that you've played with I is... think the Bill Withers stuff mm-hmm. the drumming on that mm-hmm. people knew who I was in a way of speaking so when I got to Motown I had to play different though it wasn't a, it wasn't the same mm-hmm. I had to learn how to play the different fields that mm-hmm. they had a certain and a lot of the producers over there they helped me they were very you know they were they were pretty cool they, they, they were very helpful and so I learned that style. So like when you played with The Temptations? like Yeah, when I played The Temptations. Mm-hmm. And they had the music written out. And by know. that time you are reading music? 
Huh? By that time you're By reading that time music? I'm reading music. Mm-hmm. You know, after about, I guess about a year, I, I got it together, you know. That's good. And so I could do that. Well, one of the things that really helped me was as I was about to get it together reading, I played on a song called Dancing Machine mm-hmm. by the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, the arranger had written out the music and uh, it went. He said, one, two, three, four. I said, bum, bum. I said, bum, 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 bum. Because I'm looking at this. I still don't know what I'm looking at. And was, they stopped. I said, uh-oh, I'm gone. Because they would, the people, you know, people in Motown, if you didn't cut the part, they'd call you out and get somebody else. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, do that again. So, three, four, bum, 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 bum. Hold it. I said, I know they got me now. I know I'm gone. I said, man, can you do that again? I said, yeah, I can do it. I was so nervous. But that bum, 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 banana. I was so nervous. I said, bum, 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 bum. I said, that's all right, man. Cut, hold, cut the tape. Now do this, bum, bum. You know, they had me to, you know, I was so nervous. I finally got it together. And then, you know, I was kind of in after that, you know, because it kind of, Creative, you know, they would want to know, you know. Right. So you... it was, you know, it was a great, it was a great school. I'm not bitter. That's why I'm not bitter because I was, you know, I got to, pl- I played on a, a lot of people's records. I mean, so Smokey, so you have Smokey's uh, sound console back there. I had there. his console. How, yeah. how did that happen? Well, he had. I think he was buying a new console, mm-hmm. and it came up for sale, mm-hmm. and so I had gotten a, a check. They would give the musicians uh, royalties, a phonograph record check. I had gotten a check, and so I, you showed I didn't it know what to do with it. And, and the uh, console and the machine came up for sale, so I bought it. And this was right before I played on one of his, his, one of his big records called Cruising. Oh, yeah. You know, so uh, I bought the you know machine and... Uh, and the uh, console, and I say, well, I want to, you know, try to be a producer and make records. And I, it was a group called Zoom that I had mm-hmm. that I produced, and they had a couple of hit records, you know. Their management, uh, they had they brought in a manager, and he killed everything for mm-hmm. them, you know. That happens a lot. Yeah, and I, you know, I thought about mm-hmm. it. And I said, you know, I should have, you know, put the time in for me, but I didn't. You know, it was one of those, you know, one of those things. But um, I was able to uh, still keep doing sessions, mm-hmm. still keep playing, and then it got kind of rough. I got blackballed, I guess, about four or five times. Why, you know, because, why is that? Well, a lot of times when the producers, you know, I told them, hey, I'm a producer now. When you mm-hmm. become a producer, then you, uh, you, you're, uh, you know, you, uh, the producers don't want to hire you if you're a producer. Right. You know? So they quit calling me. You know, and I guess I didn't get no hits after <laughs> at the time. And I was blackballed so long. I still, a lot of the producers that retired, mm-hmm. their sons were in the music business. I did a lot of records, you know, a lot of sessions for their sons. So it worked out. So you the know, session still, stuff, is that mostly word of mouth? Is it? No, they would call, a contractor would call. Uh-huh. You know, now they just, they call me. You know. Well, now you, you're... Yeah. You know, but I mean, I don't do that much as I did 
But, uh, you know, I still get to call occasionally, which is great, you know. So, all right, so I'm looking at, at the list. So, so Melissa Manchester was really early for you. Yeah, that was, that was great. That was great to work with her. Wow, she was, she was wonderful. I enjoyed her. Um, Leon Ware was one of the producers. Mm -hmm. I had produced, uh, I had, I'm sorry, I had played on uh, an album that he produced that went, there was a big album with Marvin Gaye, I Want I, You. I, I was just going down to Marvin. So what was that like playing with Marvin? Uh, it was great. How, how often are you playing with the artist and how often are you just coming in and okay. laying down? Well, the first time I met Marvin, mm -hmm. he was producing a group called The Originals. That baby, baby, I'm for real. Baby, mm -hmm. baby, baby. You know, no, 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 no. Beautiful song. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I met it. I did that section with him, and uh, I didn't hear from him anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. And I'm still doing Motown sessions here and there. Leon Ware and T-Boy Ross, who was Diana Ross's brother, uh -huh. was a writer also. So they wrote some of the songs on uh, the I Want You album. But the, the song I Want You, uh, I had been at Motown, I guess, about two and a half years. I started getting what they call double scale. That's double the pay that you would get. Oh, yeah. And I got nervous because the, the ranger hadn't showed up with the music. I'm, I'm wondering, well, I'm going to get paid today. Even though it's a union, I'm still worried about that. Mm -hmm. so I just started playing, boom, 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 boom. You know, boom, boom, boom. I'm playing this. Boom, boom, boom. I kept playing that. Chuck Rainey, a famous bass player, he said, doo-doo. He came in. Doo-doo. So we had a groove going. Mm -hmm. So Leon Ware came out and said, keep going, keep going, keep going. So uh, it's it, it's about a 10, 8 bar, or a ten, sometimes they do the first and second end, it's about like a 10 bar song. There's no bridge in it, but it became a hit. I want you, mm -hmm. I want you, mm -hmm. you know. So that, came, that became a hit. So, um, you know, things like that happen. That, uh, you know, that, and then, uh, all right, so I'm looking from from Marvin Martha Reeves after that yeah. Thelma Houston, who I just heard sing last week. Um, Whoa, she's fantastic. She sang at Allie Willis's uh, right. thing afterwards, yeah. and she can still oh, sing. She's oh, she's wonderful. She's been, energy uh, and everything. I did a song called "Don't Leave Me This Way." That's the song oh, she sang. Yeah, yeah. I did that, and that's you know, a great song. Yeah, what a great she record. Hit. But then you know, then we have some like some first takes like a. Cheryl Lynn got to be real. Mm -hmm. That was a one take. Wow. You know, reunited, Peaches and Her. Yeah. That was one take. Things like that. You Jeez. know, you don't have to do it when I, And you usually don't say anything to the producers. When on reunited, it, it first take felt so good. I mean, he put the music up and mm -hmm. counted it off. He had the click track going and we played it and it felt. I, that was, I said, man, this feels awful good. And I told the contract, I said, man, I don't know. I said, that sounds like a hit record. I think we got that. He said, wait a minute. So, you know, a lot of times you're not supposed to speak out of turn. I mean, the producer mm -hmm. tells you. So Freddie Perrin, who was the producer, came out and said, man, uh, I said, yeah. I said, I think that's a hit. He said, you know what? I'm going to take your word for it. Number, number one pop. Wow. You know, so things, you know, things like that happen. All right. So back with Bill Withers. All right. So Beck, how the hell do you Beck, connect Beck's father with called me. Beck's father is a fantastic arranger. Straight oh, really? Writes, he's a wonderful arranger. Uh -huh. And he had worked at Motown. I think I had played on something that he had did. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, 
I guess he, he, he got my numbers somewhere, and they called me, and, and I, so I had went to uh, went to the studio and played some things with him, and everything seemed to work out, and uh, Sea Change, I think that was a big album that mm -hmm. we played on. That that was the first album, and that was a you know was, uh, very. Beck is very adventurous. I mean, there's no telling what type of music he might come up with. Mm -hmm. But that was the first uh, record that I played with him that was a big record. Yeah, you've played with him quite a bit. And that, that, uh, that, we, then we, you know, I started working, you know, for him, different things. And then he did Record of the Year. One year I played on some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Do, do you play live with, did you play live with him? Yeah, we, well, mm -hmm. I didn't play, I didn't go on the road with mm -hmm. him. But I mean, in the studio, we were live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were live. We were doing, doing live. It was. He's so adventurous. It's great, you know, because you never know what, what, where he's coming from. Mm -hmm. So I enjoyed that. You know. That's fabulous. And how about uh, playing with Barbara Streisand? What was that like? That was great. It was uh, the movie. The movie. What was All right, that? the main event. Yeah, the main event. Uh huh. And uh, had twenty-one. You know, they wrote it. They they could have wrote it different. They wrote 21 pages of music. I had my mic, <laughs> had mic stands holding it up. I think we, I mean, we must have played for about 30 minutes, you know. Wow. And uh, some other things. And she was very nice. Was she? She was very nice. And uh, she did a thing with, uh, what's the girl? Love to love you, baby. Donna Summer. Uh-huh. I played with her and Donna Summer at one time. They did. They did. And it was They together? Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, it, that worked. That was nice. Wow. Yeah, they were cool. The two divas, and they were... Uh, huh? And, uh, oh, God, Aretha. Aretha, I did oh. some stuff with her. Uh, I was so nervous. She was the queen. Yeah. And she was nice. She was nice. The last stuff I did with her, she wasn't there. Mm -hmm. uh, a ranger did it. You know, I wish she had been there to play, you know, to play the piano. It would make it so much better mm -hmm. if she played. Mm -hmm. I was always wanted to play with her when she played Amazing the piano. Amazing musician, yeah. Yeah, but I never did get a chance mm -hmm. to. But I mean, you know, it was, it was, it was, it was great. You know. And Kelly Clark. To go from, so you went from Kelly Clarkson to a. Re oh no, these are these are not in in the right years. These are just mi mished up. Yeah. But so, you played on a Kelly Clarkson record. Yeah, a, a gentleman by the name of Greg Kirsten, who I knew. Mm -hmm. When he was a famous, and he was famous jazz pianist. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we had worked in a group called Gigatai before he became famous. Me and mm -hmm. we'd go out to Pomona and rehearse all the time. And the next, I hadn't, I didn't see him for about three or four years. Mm -hmm. And he called me, and uh, you know, I, I had heard come to find out he was a big producer. He called me, and I went up to the studio, and we did, uh, I did the Christmas album. With Kelly Clarkson, and it was it was it was really nice. That was a huge hit for her. That was a it, it huge was. success for her. Oh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, they said she sent me a, 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 a that's when vinyl wasn't as popular as mm -hmm. it is now. She sent me a vinyl. Oh, sweet. I thought that was nice mm -hmm. of her. You know. She's got a lovely. She sings great. She yeah, sings she's, great. She's yeah. amazing. And how about playing with Joe Cocker? Joe Cocker was beautiful. I mean, uh, what, what, <laughs> it's a what, funny what, thing. What year was that, like around? I don't remember what year it was, but uh, it was a it was a big album. Uh huh. But uh, <clears throat> I got a set of 
<coughs> drums, pearl drums, and they look kind of bad. They look, mm -hmm. they don't look because I've used them so much. Mm -hmm. They kind of faded, and they got tape on them. Then mm -hmm. I got the heads and everything. And Joe Clark Cockers, <laughs> when he comes through, he says, oh, "You must really like those drums." You know, he didn't know. You know, when he heard <laughs> when he heard the sound of them, he, he was all right. Yeah, yeah. After but when he looked up, he said, "I don't know about that." But we had a mutual friend that used to sing background for him mm -hmm. that I had, that we had, what, this girl was writing partner's name was Viola Wills. Mm -hmm. She had written, written some things, you know, that was pretty big in Europe. And so we talked about Viola. And he was really nice. Mm -hmm. Joe was nice, nice. Was anybody, has anybody been difficult? Like, that you One guy that, he didn't want me on the session. Mm -hmm. That uh, kind of hurt my feelings. That was Sting, mm -hmm. uh, not Sting, uh, uh, What's the guy's name? Uh, got the scar on his face. Scar on his Pops face. Pop singer. Got the scar. Pop singer with a scar on his face. Pete, uh, you got I mean, it? I don't, I don't mean that. Uh, you know, I mean. Uh, was this after you hit him? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of who you mean. He's you know what I'm talking about? He's yeah. African descent. Oh, so, oh Seal. Seal. Yeah. Seal. That, he was all, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings. Yeah. You know, and uh, Rick Rubin was a big producer. Mm -hmm. big, he produced it that day, and I played the stuff. And we came in and listened to it, and everybody thought it was cool. He just didn't like me. Whoa. So I think he wanted somebody else in the session. So, mm -hmm. you know, that was the Because that thing. stuff happens, right? Yeah, People happens. want their friends or it whatever. Happens, uh, whatever mm -hmm. It happens, whatever it is. It might not have felt right to him. It could, mm -hmm. You know, you never know. Mm -hmm. But it kind of hurt my feelings. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you got to put your feelings in your pocket when you're doing yeah. stuff like that. But that's about... He's about the only one that I, uh, he and um, I think Frankie Beverly was kind of strange one day. I didn't ever get all my money mm. from him, you know. How about but, favorite people to work for? Like, who, who, were, who were people that you were in the studio with that blew your mind? Hmm. What, some of the, what are some of the, your favorite tracks that you've played on? I mean, you've done so many. I don't even know where to start. You played with Billy Preston. You played with Aaron Neville. You played Ricky Lee Jones. Oh, my God. She was great. Mm -hmm. She's very hands-on. She knows what she wants. That mm -hmm. was great. Uh, Aaron Neville's, that was, a, oh, man, I was just in awe to be there because he's saying he sung for eight hours while we wow. played. A lot of people don't do it. Mm -hmm. And, it, I mean, it, and it was fresh every, wow. you know. And we talked a lot about uh, different people that we knew mm -hmm. in the business. He was great. Aaron Neville, it was mm -hmm. wonderful, man. It was, you know, most of them, most of the time that I've had in the studio, I think, well, Cheryl Lynn, when I did, did uh, Got to Be Real, she's, mm -hmm. you know, she, you know, I could have done that. That's what she said. So that was a little strange, but, <laughs> you know. She could have played your part? She so, said, yeah. So tell us about Paul McCartney. We were talking a little bit about him before we went on the air. Oh, Paul was Wonderful. I asked him about. Uh, I mean, he would. He told me about. Uh, Little Richard taught him everything they knew, and but he, sometimes it was strange uh, with Little Richard because they didn't know where he was going, where he was coming from. But I asked him about. Him. I said, well, "Man, what made you write yesterday?" He said, "Man, yesterday she had some big pretty legs." He said, "You know what?" I, so all of a sudden I said, "Yesterday, that's a great title." So you know he told him that's, that's the way he did. You know he would tell. Him different things like that. And when and you were in the studio, was it just the two of you? Some days it would be just the two of us. And then he told me, he said, you know, Lennon. He said, man, it was, a, it was a, he said, it was like 
great for me to be on the same stage. He he idolized John Lennon. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. It. He said it was great to be with him. You know. Wow. You know, and that you know people don't tell people that. Yeah, I'm, you know. I'm surprised because I've never heard. And he's a drummer. You told me. Paul was a great drummer. Played the great, great reggae and ska. Wow. He played so I was, I was, uh, you know, fortunate to play on his record because you know he. He, he could have done it. Yeah, he could have done it. But he was real cool with me. He didn't get mad about it or nothing, you know. So it was it was cool. So, you know, he had the, the biggest pop star in the world. So what can you say, you know? That, okay. Yeah, that's that's a pretty great deal. Right. How about, um, oh, Phoebe Snow. I knew Phoebe back in Phoebe the Snow. I love Phoebe Snow. You know, I did that, it might as well snow with a, a, a producer, David Rubinson. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, I think the stuff that we did became a hit. I didn't get to meet her, and she was there what? singing. She was there singing while we did it. You know, I didn't get to meet her, though. But I heard her. We, she singing while we played the stuff. Wow. You know, that doesn't happen. It right. may be happening now, but it's very seldom. But I didn't get to meet Phoebe, you know. Mm-hmm. I love she what was, she did. You know? She was amazing. Yeah. Um, Natalie Cole. Natalie Cole, uh, she was there. Mm-hmm. She was there. Uh, the gentleman... Uh, Richard Evans was the, was the arranger, and uh, out of Chicago, and uh, he uh, called me the first time. I think I did a couple albums, mm-hmm. a couple albums with her, and I played on that. And she was there, and it was, that was fine with her. You know, we had some problems on some other stuff, but not not her music. You know, you know, but uh, you know, she was. Fantastic singer, you know. Mm-hmm. Amazing. Yeah, her father, I mean, you know, I loved what he did, mm-hmm. so it was cool, you know. How about um, Jose Feliciano? Oh. That was great. I mean, we rolled Bill and I. Bill, you know, uh, Bill was pretty cool. He would, we ran together. We were like running buddies at one time. We go way out to, he, his, he had a studio way out in Anaheim somewhere. Mm-hmm. And uh, we went out there that night and we did, can't, I think Bill did, I think the name, I don't know if the name is Can We Pretend or something. I don't know what the name of it is. We did that because he wanted Jose Feliciano. Jose Feliciano. How you say Feliciano. his name? Feliciano. Feliciano. Please uh-huh. forgive me. Jose Feliciano. That's okay. Yeah. On his record. Uh-huh. So we went out there and uh, that was cool. And then the next time, I think Jose was with Motown. I did some stuff with him mm-hmm. there. It was great. He was, you know, fantastic player, you know. Yeah. Great, you know. Almost everybody's been wonderful. You played with amazing you know. people. Ray and Charles was great. I play- mean, Ray Charles was a, like a, I'd go up to his studio. It wouldn't be nobody there with me and him. Wow. And he said, okay, take me over to the drums, and I would take him over to the drums, and he would grab, he'd get the mic, because the mics were there. Mm-hmm. He'd set the microphones, he'd set the, the microphones on the drums. I mean, you know, I got my eyes closed. He'd set the, I'm seeing him do this. He mic'd the drums up. Wow. He would be the engineer. Wow. That day. I mean, he was he was uh, pretty hands-on. I mean, I, it would be amazing to watch him do all of this stuff, you wow. know. And then he made a transfer one time. I, didn't, I, I just thought that that was, uh, I don't know how he did it, but his his uh, console was mm-hmm. Braille. It was Braille. You know, he, he had Braille on it. Uh-huh. So he, it was amazing. Well, speaking he, of which, did you ever play with Stevie? I never played with Stevie. I think... Uh, a couple of times he come on stage and I might have played behind him. Mm-hmm. Never got to play with him. That's you know that was a 
you know, Stevie Wonder is one of the greatest drummers in the world. A lot of people don't. I mean, he what? he was. I seen some guys challenge him and get wore out. You're kidding? No, um, you know he can Does he play. play on any of his stuff? He plays on most of his stuff. Does he? Yeah, he plays wow. on. Did most you know of that, Pete? No idea. I did. I had no idea. Wow. A friend, a friend of mine, Raymond Pounds, uh, mm-hmm. he got to play on a couple of Stevie's records, a couple of songs, right? Mm-hmm. But Stevie plays on his his record. He's wow. he's, he's 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 fantastic. He can play. Wow. I mean, he can really play. That, I, yeah, he's he's a wonder, as they say. Wow. Yeah. How about Boss Skaggs? Boss Skaggs, I, it was a, it was a, is that on there? Yeah. Uh, uh, slow it, Dancer in 74. It was a, me and Jeff Percaro, I think they had two drummers that day. Mm-hmm. And so I just remember Boss being in the control room. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to meet him, mm-hmm. you know, that much, but, uh. I tell you, one that was kind of strange was a uh, IGY. What a beautiful world it would be! Mm-hmm. They had a call me to do two weeks, and then they changed their mind. They said they were gonna get Jeff Carroll, which that's what's the way they do in the business sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I thought they would just give me a session at the time. The union was strong enough to where hey, you got to give him a session at least. Mm-hmm. They called me in. They got about a five-minute drum sound because. Silly Dan, I mean, they are very, you know, I mean, they it might take them a day, maybe a week sometimes to get a drum sound. They got a drum sound on me in five minutes. I was in, was at the village. I'll never forget that they had a, a house like where the drums was in inside the uh, studio. And uh, I, I played, uh, I, later on I found it was IGY. There wasn't no names on the songs and Ruby Baby. I played about four songs in about, in about an hour. It was just me and the click track. Nobody, you know. Say, don't play no toms because it's not a tom-tom song. And make the cymbals, crash the cymbals real light. I said, okay. So by the time I got home, Jeff and, Jeff and I were good friends anyway. Mm-hmm. Jeff said, can, man, can I use your toms? I said, yeah, I guess they want to keep the same sound. But anyway, I guess they, uh, you know, IGY, what a beautiful world it would be. Mm-hmm. That one and uh Ruby Baby, mm-hmm. you know, they kept those, you know. So, and then I, I never did, I didn't get the chance to meet him until about seven years later. A friend of mine, Freddie uh, Washington, plays bass with him. Mm-hmm. I got to meet him then. Mm-hmm. I hadn't, I didn't get to meet him before then, mm-hmm. you know. How about B.B. King? B.B. King was sweet. He liked to tell stories, you know, so I played with him. Uh, that was great, and uh, I did a movie where he, you know, backed him up and played with him. Yeah, B.B., and I, you know, I kind of knew, I knew B.B. Mm-hmm. from different, uh, there was a gentleman by the name of Arthur Adams that B.B., that Arthur Adams wrote some songs for B.B., and B.B. sang on Arthur's album for mm-hmm. him, and, you know, B.B., beautiful, you know. So who who would you, like, play live? Was it, was all your work studio work? Were you out, I mean, I know now you play live with Mike Finnegan, but over the years, who would you play live with? Bill Withers, mm-hmm. the Watson 103rd Street Rhythm Band. That was it. Mm-hmm. Wow. You know, that was it. And then I went into the studio. So it wasn't. So, it wasn't something that called to you to play, like. Well, I didn't. I didn't like the road. Uh, the road that I went on. The first road I went on. I was playing with a gentleman by the name of Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. He was mm-hmm. the one that he wrote and sang the twist before Chubby Checker. Yeah, that's crazy. 
And um, we would be like in Los Angeles, California today, and we had to be in Little Rock, Arkansas tomorrow night. They driving, you know, and so mm-hmm. I'm young. And uh, I'm scared to death because they're smoking weed and driving at 120 miles an hour. They knew the routes to go in. So I never did sleep. They called me the Cobra. I'm doing this, watching them the whole time. So, you know, I, I didn't like the road after, you know, I just didn't like the road. I said, man, studio musician, this is great. I didn't know anything about being a studio musician until I came out here. I thought everybody that, uh, you know, the bands played the records for me. Mm-hmm. James Brown was one of the only people that, uh, that band recorded with him mm-hmm. so uh, I, I say well I'm gonna you know try to be, become a studio musician and you know that was great you know was your father when at what point did your father live to see you have success no he uh, oh. I think he might I was working at a club in Kansas City and the owner knew my father and I think my father might have come up there a couple of times and heard me play mm-hmm. but he didn't uh, he didn't know. He didn't live my. He nor my mother. Mm-hmm. You know they didn't get to. You know. My brother did because he started me. Mm-hmm. So that was that was a good thing. And so, how did you start writing music? When did that start happening? Well, I you? started doing that when I was a doo wopper. Because mm-hmm. I wrote the stuff, the records that, that I, I sang on, on on the label Federal, mm-hmm. the Federal label, King. King Records had about five sub-labels, mm-hmm. and Federal was one of them. And, um, you know, I would write these doo-wop, I could write the doo-wop stuff. And so, you know, I didn't know, you know, how uh, bountiful that was writing because, I mean, the little records that we made in Kansas City, we never did get any writers or nothing. The, the managers probably got everything. We didn't know any better. We just figured, it, hey, we didn't get no hit records, so ain't nothing happening. So, you know, when I came out here, and uh, Charles and I used to write after the rehearsals because he would come and get me and take me home sometimes because I was desolate. You know, mm-hmm. I was doing pretty bad. And we would write. And I didn't know any, I didn't know about publishing mm-hmm. or nothing like that. And when I found out, then, you know, <laughs> don't nobody, you know, they don't want to know you to know because some of those checks be so big, they just don't want you to see them, you know. Did you ever have a did you ever make a deal that you benefited from for a song you wrote? Uh, not really. I mm-hmm. mean, D'Angelo, it's a song called Sugar Daddy. That mm-hmm. was a big record that he had out a little while back. And what was happening is he called me for a session and I was warming up. You know, I'm fixing my drums, getting the sound on them and I was I played between my made a sound on my chest and mm-hmm. the, and the kick drum. Mm-hmm. And the engineer recorded it, and uh, I didn't know he recorded it. It was a funky beat, mm-hmm. and so the answer was, "Mr. Gatson, can I use that?" I said, "Well, yeah, but we can talk about it. Let me get you know, uh, you know, uh, give me a piece of it. You know, I want to get a piece of mm-hmm. it anyway." I got a letter. I went, to, you know, I, later on I did some stuff with him in New York. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But. I got a letter about that cat said you 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 were hired hand, you you uh you ain't got nothing coming. Pino Paladino talked with him and I got a little piece of it. I think I got about ten points, ten eleven points or something like that. It was something. You yeah. know, it was something. Mm-hmm. But uh you know you have to really be uh 
you know, you gotta be, you gotta be on that now. I just didn't know anything about that. You know, I was, I was, it was so rough on me when I got out here because I was out here, and you know, I was struggling. So I, if I can just work, I mean, I had jobs, you know, menial task jobs. Mm -hmm. I think the best one was at the post office, but I mean, I had jobs, you know, different kind of jobs. So if you know, just to play, I said, at one time or so, I said, man, if I could just hear myself on the radio and I'm working in a menial job, I'd be happy. You know, because I leave Kansas, I left Kansas City, mm -hmm. I'm working. You know, I'm making $750 a week at that time in the 60s. That was a nice salary. Right. And $12, from $750 to $12 a night. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty rough. Yeah. Know? So, uh, I was just so glad to... Uh, you know, work. Mm -hmm. I mean, and it was God, it was about God, God rest his soul, Willie Hutch, who was a famous writer, mm -hmm. singer, and producer, mm -hmm. wrote a lot of, wrote a lot of Jackson Five records, a lot of. Mm -hmm. I worked with him, and he fired me. <laughs> Why? On a gig. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, I was. It was a twenty-five dollar gig, and <laughs> the lady that picked us picked us up. I, I had to give her five dollars. That was pretty rough. Mm -hmm. So we out in a. Somewhere, Temple City, or somewhere out there, somewhere. And um, they had, I guess, the, the jobs went. I mean, the clubs stayed open to about three or four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so we, I'm playing at this one club, and we take the intermission. He said, "Now you got to move your drums down to this other club." I said, "Wait a minute." I said, "Well, you know, you ain't gonna pay me for that, but man, in fact, you fired. You know, <laughs> you don't want to do that." So I had to call Charles Wright. Charles Wright came out there and got me, you know. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, later on I found out Willie Hutch is a famous writer and producer at Motown. And he called me one time, and I played on his record called Love Power. That was a number one. That was, mm -hmm. I don't know if number was a million seller for me. Mm -hmm. you know, and then after that, we got to be all right. But, I mean, all, all kind of strange things was, was happening, you know. So, at what point in your life were you able to stop taking other jobs, and you were a session drummer, like? Uh, I guess uh, during during that time, mm -hmm. during that time, I was uh, working enough to where, you know, I didn't have to work. Uh, uh, I wanted to work live though, but I was so busy doing the sessions mm -hmm. that I would be too tired to take a live job. I think that uh, uh, the New York guys they got to do they probably didn't work that many sessions or whatever it was, but they got to play live a lot. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that keeps it keeps something. It, you know, you you know, when, if you're doing sessions all the time, I mean, for me, I got to where I had certain formulas. Mm -hmm. So I would play certain things. I mean, the, uh, the live thing is a whole other thing, I mean, in a way of speaking. So let's so, talk about the live thing. So I came out and saw you play with Mike Finnegan recently and, and Abe. Right. And, and is that like a great, do you do that for the joy of it? I mean, is it? I do it for the joy. And then see, with that, you're playing. I mean, you don't know what you might play. Mm. I mean, it just comes from here. You just, you just playing. In a session, you're playing, you got to play a certain thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not, you're restricted to play certain things. And then you, and that, you got to edge playing live sometimes. The session, you it's pretty well, you know, like this. Mm -hmm. It was for me. So I enjoy playing live, mm -hmm. you know, now. And especially, you know, I've got Abraham Lamario, who's oh, famous, Mike yeah. Finnegan, and mm -hmm. Bill Lynch. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's we, a have, great we band. have a good time. It's we a have great a good time. Band. 
Yeah. And have... so you guys are um, at the write-off room. How often do you play at the write-off room? On Thursday nights. Every Thursday night. Yeah, on Thursday Every night. Thursday night. Mm-hmm. If you're in L.A., right. um, it is a trip. And, and I love the way you switch off who's singing lead. Oh, that's wonderful. We, all three of us sing. Fabulous. And we got, we're starting now that we have songs that we sing in harmonies. Mm. You know, we've got one song I, I, that Mike does that we're singing. It's a country song. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, you know, and uh, we sing in three-part harmony. So mm. that one, that that's nice. You know, we get to do. It's it's good. You know. I so are you doing? Are you doing what you? Is there anything that you haven't done you'd still like to do? Well, is there anybody you'd like to play? Is there anybody playing now that like excites you that you? Well, uh, whoever has, has got you know. I mean, I still. I like what the youngsters are doing. I like everything. I did I did a thing with Harry Styles a while back. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it was great. I had a good time with him. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I'm just... How about with your own music? Like, do, are you ambitious with it? Do you... Uh, I was, and I got... I had a couple of surgeries this year. Mm-hmm. And I had to, you know, I had to lay dead for a minute. But uh, I, uh, I'm working on that. I mean, I... Uh, you know, if it happens, good. If it doesn't, I mean, when I was younger and when I was singing, and I wanted it so bad, mm-hmm. you know. Now I, it's you know, if 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 it was to happen, it's cool. Mm-hmm. If it if it doesn't, you know. So cool. were you singing in the studio as well, or were you just drum? Were you drumming? Were you singing also? Did you ever? Well, get when to I was sing? with the Watson Hunt and Thirsty uh-huh. Band, I was singing. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I had, you know, uh, the leader didn't really want me to sing, mm-hmm. but I was singing. <laughs> Uh, you know, and then, you know, I kind of, you know, after, you know, certain things happened where uh, I didn't get the credit and everything. Mm-hmm. I kind of, you know, I almost had a nervous breakdown. I mean, I just thought that was the end of the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I quit and I didn't have nothing to look forward to, you know, it was just, mm-hmm. but I knew I just couldn't do that anymore, you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, things happen, you know, things got better. And I put the singing on the back burner and concentrated, you know, on the drumming. Mm-hmm. And that was a blessing because I was a better singer at that time than I was a drummer, you know. Now I don't know. I've gotten older. But You're a great singer. All right, so can you play us something uh, before we go that, that's uh, you singing? and? Let me see here. Play us something. Pete, does anybody have any questions for, uh, for oh, yeah. James? Oh, oh we yeah. got some questions. Oh, you got some questions? Got All some right. questions. Okay. <laughs> what do you got? Oh, and by the way, you were mentioning uh, Donald Fagan, the Nightfly album. Yeah. Um, yeah, Jeff Young. So Nightfly, that was like the name his, of it. Yeah. his favorite album, like, of all mm. time. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Was Jeff on here? What's that? Oh, did he tell you that? When before? we interviewed oh, him, he, he oh, mentioned I that. See. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so Deslin, the one who's 18... In Ohio, uh, he said, one of my favorite moments hearing one of your songs you played on was Stevie Wonder and Bill Withers sing Lean On Me, sing Paul McCartney and Ringo at the Rock Hall in 2015. Okay, but I didn't, I wasn't there. Well, then he's wrong. <laughs> I wasn't there. I mean, Bill Withers, he did mention my name. Yeah. Because Beck, see, Beck mentioned my name a year before that. Because mm-hmm. Beck, you know, Beck t- told Bill Withers, you know, we have a mutual friend. Yeah. And Bill said, "Who is?" He said, "James Gapson." So Bill mentioned that, ah, okay. but I didn't. I didn't play on. I well, wasn't there at the Rock and Roll. He's Hall a fan time. now, that's for sure, because he's watching you. So he would like okay. to know, uh, what's the best way he can see you live? 
Well, they showing they're showing uh, on Facebook mm-hmm. almost every week. Somebody records us out at a. Uh, oh right, at the write off room. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's in Ohio, but but I might be but going. But they show it. Yeah. yeah, I might be going to Toronto in March. I don't travel so much anymore. Sometimes you know I go to Japan, but I might be going to Toronto in March mm-hmm. and doing a seminar. You know, and, and I'm going to play with the, the music. I told him I wanted to play with the musicians up there. Yeah. And uh, probably for two days. You know, that should be pretty cool. He'd like to know, uh, did you ever run into Tom Petty or any of the Heartbreakers? Some of the Heartbreakers. I didn't know Tom Ferroni. Petty. Huh? You must know Ferroni. Oh, I know Ferroni, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ferroni, yeah. But he wasn't an original Heartbreaker. Mm-hmm. Right. But I know Steve, you know. I know Steve. Fantastic. Fantastic drummer. Michael uh, Simpson, by the way, thanks you for your military service. Michael? Michael Simpson's thanking you for your military service. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> not taking that long. Oh, God, we have All a hat. Right. We have to have James do a... We do these PSAs for uh, the veterans, thanking them for their service. And okay. you being a veteran, we got we to gotta give yeah. you a hat. I'm proud yeah. to be a veteran. I'm mm-hmm. proud of that. You what know. branch? The Air Force. I was in the Air Force. I went to Korea right after the war. Mm. Uh-huh. And what'd you do? What was your? I was uh, in uh, I was in warehousing. Mm-hmm. You know, so I got kind of messed up in there. You know, I, I don't get a check from the veterans, but I uh, was working around some uh, radioactive stuff, oh. and it sterilized me. Oh. Yeah, and uh, so I didn't. I didn't think nothing about it when I got when they gave me the physical to get out. Of, I I didn't get to go straight to the VA. I didn't go. You know, so mm. <laughs> Michael says uh, he heard the blues were born in Africa. Huh? That he said he heard the blues were born in Africa, and when Jimmy Vivino was on, he was saying that all music is rooted from the blues. Do you think that's true? Well, I. Th- Maybe all American music might be rooted from the blues, including country music. Mm-hmm. I mean, not all, you know, not all, I don't think all music. He implied that jazz was rooted from the blues, too. Yeah, jazz is rooted mm-hmm. from the blues. All American music. Not, mm-hmm. I don't, the European music, I don't, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a different, it's a different thing. <laughs> you know, but a lot of gospel music, a lot of the gospel players, uh-huh. they studied classical music. And you can hear the different variations. They might voice it. Mm. They got some. Uh, I get the the uh, classical cats would call them. Uh, uh, they would call them bastard <laughs> things that they do. Mm-hmm. But uh, the uh, most of the uh, fantastic gospel players, classical trained. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. I wish I was classical trained. Mm. I mean, because so much, especially the jazz musicians. It, you know, you get so much from that. You know, it's it's a, it's a good. Do you still play jazz? I haven't played in a while. I, I still love it. I listen to it. Uh, and that I had told you earlier, Mike Lang says hello. S- oh sends my you goodness, a hug Mike and Lang, a... he's a man. He's, yeah, he's yeah, great, great. That's great, great. Have you ever played together? We played in Motown. We did sessions. Oh my gosh! Yeah, we did sessions together. Wow. Yeah. That's that's crazy time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so okay, so James, play us something that uh, we w- when we came into the show, we played. James played one of his original tracks. Right. So you got something else you want to play? I for got us? A, a a song. It's doo wop like. Oh, good! I want to hear that doo wop you were talking about. Love bells. Love bells. 
asking Rogo, what's it leading up to? You're sipping your wine, I'm having my brew. Tell me, tell me, what could be the next thing?
a CD of love and sex music. I mean, your music's very sexy. <laughs> it yeah, it's it's awesome. sexy and it's awesome. and it's romantic and yeah. I mean, yeah, I I see that happening. Oh, yeah. I, I really do. I would buy it. God, yes. I mean, it's it's like wow. It's thank great. you. I'm, I'm still working on this one. You know, it's great mood. So so. Can people get your music anywhere? Your it'll be out pretty soon. I'm working, you know, get it out. I got to mix this. I got to put a few more things on it, and mix it, and put it out. You know. You really got to put it out. It's really yeah. great. Thank you. It's really great. Thank you Thank so you. much for doing this, James. Thank you for having me. Thank um, you. Pete, what do you got? Pete George, what do you got going Ooh. on? Tell people. Nobody can see me. Hey. hey. What do you uh, got going on? Next Thursday, Friday, Saturday, headlining Tickle Me Comedy Club downtown Las Vegas. Pete's the wow. uh, the rock and roll comedian. He plays wow. music. He's my, he, uh, my strat in my show. Okay. Just history of rock, but it's funny. Wow, that's great. And uh, next week on here. Vegas. Huh? Vegas. Uh, Larry Hankin, great actor, great writer, comedian, very funny guy. And then Lee Sklar is going to be with us in a couple wow. weeks. Give him my love. I certainly will do that. And it was really funny because uh, I have this uh, uh, a thing in my living room, live thing, which I uh -huh. love you. We've got to figure out how to get you there to do it. So at the end of this month on, on January 28th, um, Lauren Gold, the keyboard player from The Who, is going to play with Donnie Most. Do you know Don Most no, from I Happy heard Days? Of it. I know. Yeah, I've and he's a great it. jazz singer. Okay. And uh, Snuffy Walden and um, Sarah Nimitz are going to play. Wow. And Adam Chester, this guy who is uh, yeah, uh, Elton John's. Oh, no, that other guy. Okay. Yeah, Adam Chester is Elton John's stand in. So whenever wow. Elton's playing live, Adam is is Elton in rehearsal and all that stuff. Wow. And he's a great singer-songwriter in his own right. Wow. So when Lee, when Lee Sklar saw that Donnie was playing in the living room, he said, oh, I played on one of his albums back in the day. So I said, well, come on up that day if you're free and, and sit in. So maybe he will if he's able to. But he'll be on, on Game Changers in two weeks. Wow. And uh, That's wonderful. Yeah, and, and we got to we gotta take a trip out to the write-off room. Any <laughs> of you in L.A., every Thursday night, Oh my God, these guys with Mike Finnegan and Abe Labrio. Oh my God, you guys! It, it's I stayed for all three sets. I planned on coming for one set. I stayed for three. Thank you so much. Hmm. But hell, I mean, it's great music out there. Almost every night they have yes. good bands out there, you know. But we have a good time, you know. We really do. It's it's a musician's uh, gig. It's great. You know. They're great. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Pete. Yay. And uh, we'll see you next week. Uh, thank you all for joining us. We'll see you soon.